Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle, there's an interesting dynamic happening in college sports now, and it's not new, but it really is being crystallized. Five years ago, when the Mizzou football team threatened to not play because of racial, uh, in what they perceived as racial unjustness at the school, and because of things that were happening, there was a student that was on a hunger strike, and the football team said, we are going to take the field again until the school president, Tim Wolf resigns. Well, he did, and they wound up playing, but their threat to not play against BYU that night bothered a lot of people. And Missouri lost a lot of supporters, a lot of their boosters, when the players won. But the players recognized that they're the product. Mm-hmm. That if they didn't play, what was Mizzou going to do? Cancel their football team? And people said, well, take away their scholarships. Well, if you take away their scholarships, you don't have any players. Exactly. And the players last week got together and had a very peaceful demonstration walking to the courthouse and registering to vote and The school president was part of the walk. The football coach and football staff were part of the walk. And in the piece today, it's the cover story at ESPN.com, Jake Lawler, a former North Carolina linebacker, said, The power dynamics have shifted. The status quo has been unbalanced, and it's been tipped in the favor of the student-athletes. The players have recognized that they are a very lucrative product for their schools, and they understand that with that being the product, they hold a lot of sway and a lot of power on campuses now. And if they use that power for good, then that's a great thing for our country and for the college uh, life and the, the institutions that are benefiting from them. Absolutely. And I wonder how many doors this is going to open for players to have conversations amongst themselves about a lot of different aspects of their existence as a collegiate athlete, as a, as a student athlete at these organizations, whether it be, hey, you have tried to tell me not to talk about my personal beliefs because it will impact your business, but I'm not seeing that money. You know, like my coach is getting paid, the chancellors are getting paid, but you you want me to not speak out and defer my rights so that it affects a, a pocketbook that I'm not really getting a cut of. I just I I mean, we Clemson has been in the news, so I I think of Clemson. If Trevor Lawrence, who is the undisputed leader of that team, says, "Hey, we we need to." just really take the entire structure of the NCAA and we need to figure something out. We need to rip it down and we need to talk about what we as college football players want. If Trevor Lawrence and the entire Clemson football team say, hey, we're not going to play until we talk about a dispersion of funds here, what are they going to do? I mean, you think about not only 
the people that were going to be watching that game if there if and when there's fans in the stands mm-hmm. but think about the the television money that's on the line right. if Clemson doesn't play think about the money that would be lost if Clemson just decided not to play there's Absolutely no doubt that if the players wanted to go that direction, they could win. And basically, they have already, haven't they? Because they're going to get paid. It's going to be a stipend. It's not going to be what an NFL player would make, but they're going to get paid. And where is it that we see people using their voices the most? It's on campuses. It's young people that disagree with a policy or disagree with what they perceive as uh, something that is unfair and they hold protests. And now that the athletes have gotten involved in these protests and they understand that that's a voice that can be heard because of their power on campus, I think we'll see more dramatic changes in our country because young people who, by and large, are extremely... They're woke. They, they get it, right? Look at you, Randy. Uh, yeah. So I'll, uh, I think that it'll be good that young people have that, recognize that they have that voice, and then use it. Yeah, I think I think they are woke and that they are continuing to stay that way. And I just, I think that it's a great thing that they recognize their power in all of this. That they recognize that they have a voice and that they can ask questions and demand answers. And that they can say, hey, we think that this is wrong and demand yeah. action. I thought it was really cool last week, too, that when Mizzou held that march... It was a sophomore from Columbia named Martez Manuel who originated the idea. It wasn't one of the senior leaders of the team. It was a, a sophomore linebacker who was going to have a chance to play this year, but he wanted to do something for his community. And then all the other players from seniors on down and the coaching staff and the university's administration jumped on board because a 19, 20-year-old guy said, we should do something. A sophomore. Yeah, isn't that great? That's great. Well, I mean, even taking sports out of it, when you look at a lot of these peaceful protests across the country, a lot of them are organized by by high school kids. Right. You know, it's it's amazing to see the impact that young people are having uh, in a positive direction in America. Yeah. One other big thing, no discussions are right now scheduled between Major League Baseball players and owners. And it seems as if both of these sides are willing to kill the golden goose. I've mentioned before, I think baseball has an ego that is way outsized. I don't think they understand. And St. Louis is an outlier. But in our country, baseball is not a sport that is beloved by young people. And it's not a sport that If it had to compete with other sports, if the NBA and the NHL would shift their schedules to the summer, then all due respect, baseball, as much as we love it, across the country is going to be the number three summer sport in America. Without a doubt. And because they make $10.7 billion and because the players make $4.4 billion, they think, oh, everything's great, everything's fine. Well... The reality of the situation is they don't understand, they don't appear to understand how tenuous the viability of their sport is. And if they don't come to that conclusion and they don't play this season, then they could fall by the wayside very quickly. They have such a disproportionate sense of self. It's alarming. And it was very eye-opening for me when I moved away from St. Louis because I 
We're in a baseball hotbed here. We love baseball. We live, eat, breathe, sleep baseball around here. And for me to go to other cities, specifically East Coast cities, who also love baseball, but see how far ranked down on the totem pole was really interesting to me. And I don't think baseball is aware of it. I don't think that they really think the viability of their product long term is at stake here. And I have a newsflash for them. It very much is. It very much is. And I just, I wish that they could get a reality check before it's too late. But unfortunately, I think the way that this has played out, the way that they have leaked things to the fans, the opportunity that they missed to be the first sport back was huge. That was a huge mistake. Because if you're baseball and you look at your your popularity problem across the country, all the things you're going to do about pace of play, all the things you're trying to do to get the younger fan, you had the perfect opportunity in front of you to capture the nation's attention and to garner positive vibes towards your sport and instead you bickered about money you let your egos get in the way and now everybody's mad at you and what would have been better than rob manfred and tony clark being at a podium announcing the return of baseball and saying this isn't about money this is about the betterment of our country that's coming out of a pandemic and we recognize that for our country's mental well-being we have to play so we're going to work through the pandemic and we'll concern ourselves with money when our next cba comes up but right now and they blew the opportunity but right now this isn't about money this is pr 101 yep this was the easiest play Ever. It was almost as if baseball, who has been really struggling to figure out a way to stay relevant, it was put on a silver platter for them. They're, the solution to a lot of their problems was put on a silver platter for them. And they slapped the platter over and then stomped on it. And by the way, I think both of us at this point are, and I would guess most people in this conversation, are blaming both sides. There's not one side to blame here. They're both idiots. <laughs> Tell them how you really feel, Randy. <laughs> well, you called them clowns. Yeah, I did. So we we both have been expressing ourselves today. <laughs> no, and and I, I I am mad at both sides. It it my anger certainly is more towards ownership than it is the players. I understand more of the player side than I do ownership, and especially because I think when you look at the different milestones in these very public and very messy negotiations. The owners messed up first by leaking so much yeah. of this. They, they drew first blood there. They should have come to the table and said, hey, we're going to keep this in-house. We know you don't trust us. You have every reason not to trust us. And we're going to keep our family business in-house until we can figure this out. And instead, they showed up with a, hey, 50-50 profit share, knowing the players were not going to go for that. And then they started leaking all of this information to the media, trying to put the players in the corner so that in the court of public opinion, they would be shamed. And that was their crucial first misstep. And so while I'm angry at both sides, I'm more angry at them because they set the tone for how this was going to go. That's Michelle Smallman. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And that's today's big thing. Next up, stick around. You're killing me, Smalls. is coming your way on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. This is always fun, and after a uh, an active weekend, a lot of good killing me, Smalls stuff. What do you got? You're killing me, Smalls. Man, Monday. It's Monday. Don't worry about it. Shoot. <laughs> 
You know, the way that you keep, we keep score for you with the with the fight, we need to keep score on how many times I butcher that every day. <laughs> Man. Really? No, because it would be overwhelmingly not favorable towards me. I just don't, I just get so excited, Randy, to tell you about all these weird things that I'm reading that I forget the sounder is called. Can we work the sounder into the open or something so that I... No. Just take take control out of my hands so I can't mess it up anymore? It's too much fun. Oh, man. All right. Well, Randy, speaking of butchering, I have an interesting story for you. All right. Are you a massage guy, Randy? Yes. What kind of massages do you like? Well... <laughs> uh, See, Robert I, I, Kraft I ruined so much for us. Yes, he did. He really did. But if you're going to, um, let's say, uh, a regular spa, Randy, or mm-hmm. is it hot stone? Is it, you know? No, just standard. Uh, sports yeah, massage. Deep tissue, yeah. Deep tissue, okay. Uh, would you ever be interested in getting a massage using meat cleavers? No chance. <laughs> so, this practice... Uh, Apologies to our friends in Taiwan, because I'm definitely going to butcher <laughs> butcher the pr- pronunciation of this. But Dao Lao, which translates to knife massage, is very popular in Taiwan. It's seen a resurgence in Taiwan recently, and they're projecting that it could be coming to America, that this could be something people are seeing because it's a separation between the hand and the body. So, as you know, as far as social distancing yeah. or reducing your contact with other people. But what it is practitioners of this form of massage they pound stress points in your body using the sharpened edge of kitchen instruments uh, usually cleavers or things like that while soothing your energy and reading your fortune. This is from the New York Post. There's videos of this all over YouTube. Mm, Oh, I gotta take a look, but I just can't imagine enjoying that. And wouldn't it be something if you would get one of those massages and then go to, like, uh, Shogun for dinner and the same person that did your massage is doing your your dinner for you. They're like, hey, uh, you want the onion volcano too? <laughs> Will they do that on your back? Yeah. Flip the egg in there? Um, but people that are fans of this type of massage, they swear by it. They say that, um, you know, it really helps them alleviate stress, etc. And it's kind of like a traditional massage. You're wrapped in a towel in a robe before, but then they start pounding your body with these knives and they target these pressure points. And Interesting. It's effective for people. A new occupation for O.J. Simpson, perhaps? Randy. Randy! (laughs) Cut it out, Randy. (laughs) But, you know, I wonder what people thought of when they heard about acupuncture for the first time. You want to stick needles in me and then I'm going to lay there? Yeah, really. Maybe we shouldn't be so dismissive of this is what I'm saying. You know, cupping, no, I'm, how I'm people say, dismissive. I'm, I'm going to heat up cups Do and it's going to suction to your back. the individual that invented this? Pretty sharp person. <laughs> Thanks for the dad joke, character. Go ahead. Do you have any more? I mean, the floor is yours. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I... You want to, though? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to think of them as we continue on. Just feel free to weave them in, Randy. Okay. Slice right through my, <laughs> my stories, okay? All right. You're killing me, Small. We'll speak. You go in and they've got a big sale. Price is slashed. Thanks for the dad joke, character. You know, and when they ask you, how's the pressure? You know, when you get a massage, you're like, how's the pressure? If you're like, no, I want it harder, that means they're going to have to hit you harder with a meat cleaver. I would That's not. Exactly right. I would not encourage that. Yeah. What if they're do- giving you a neck massage? <laughs> Come in, get a massage, get ahead, 
Brandy. <laughs> Thanks for the dad joke, character. Okay, we have to move on. We have to move on. All right. Well, speaking of um, creative ways to do things in the beauty and wellness space, uh, I saw this uh, this story about how a Miami plastic surgeon is offering drive-through Botox for quarantine patients. So you just get in your car, you roll down the window, you st- stick your head out, and the doctor will give you Botox right there. Now this is good. I have no problem with this. This is effective, creative, and it's interesting in that I guess you can get like a an old Arby's and turn it into a cosmetics area where people just come out the the uh, drive through and just load your face up with Botox. I don't know why you had to go Arby's there. <laughs> Any closed fast food restaurant, like a, there's a closed Taco Bell up on Dorset, so that could just be one of those places. Okay, you know. Because I, I just drive through. You got to have a creative name for it. Yeah, for sure. But here's my question to you: If you're quarantined and you're not in the social scene the way you were, do you really need to get the Botox? Is it is it really necessary for you to go through the Botox drive through if you're not going to see anybody? I don't know about yeah, Botox maintenance because I, I would think that most people from Bo- that use Botox probably spend a lot of time looking in the mirror, so somebody's going to be seeing you. You can't escape yourself, Randy. You can't right. escape yourself. Isn't there another use for Botox, by the way, that somebody came up with? Some people say it alleviates headaches. Yeah, so that stuff. So why not? If you're feeling bad, I'm going to go through to the. I'll be right back. Going through the Botox drive-through. I wonder if it could be a two-stop shop where you could get your Botox and then get a meat cleaver massage at the next stop. <laughs> that would be fantastic. And no one's actually really touching you. It's only a needle and a knife. <laughs> Some people. That's. I think that's called masochist. <laughs> we could call it the chop shop. <laughs> You're brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. I should have gone into advertising. You're killing me, Small. So, Randy, I saw this story. It's making um, the rounds online. Philadelphia, we know that they love their Eagles. Looters, we're not fans, but this headline I need to read to you. Looters in Philly ransack furniture store. They take everything except for a cowboy's chair. Proud of them. And there's a video of people (laughs) filming outside of this furniture store where they're zooming in the window and there's one chair sitting in an empty showroom and it has a cowboy's logo on it. That is awesome. That makes me like Philly fans a lot. Yeah, we don't like the looters, but I do respect that even in a moment where you're just grabbing things for free, that, that is still so disgusting to you that you will not take a cowboy's chair. Yeah, and it's not like anybody would have a spot for it in their house anyway. Hey, where'd you get that? I looted it, but <laughs> why? Why did you take a cowboy's chair of all things? That's great. But I guess if you're, you could have just ripped the logo off of it. You could have figured out a, a way to do it, but they don't even want to touch it. They don't even want to get it out of the store. Shouldn't that tell... All retail outlets in Philadelphia, something that they shouldn't carry Dallas Cowboys logo material, whatever it might be, because nobody wants it. If, if, if people don't even want it for free, why yeah. carry it in a store? And you only have one in there. What's the point of that? You're going to buy one yeah. piece of Cowboys furniture thinking one person may make the sale? Yeah. That tells you. I mean, if the, if the demand isn't there. It's not going to be there. It was just a bad There's, decision. There are no circumstances. By the way, I just looked up Botox, and apparently Botox is also uh, used to treat uh, echephoria. And that's uh, the, the lazy eye where one eye is looking at you and the other eye is looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the dad, Joe character.
Well, credit, there, credit to BT on that one. Well, there you go. Uh, can I read you? We have the best listeners in sports. Yeah. Some suggestions from the text line about the the Botox and the Cleaver massages. Okay. Someone says meat Cleaver massages sounds like cutting edge technology. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, Botox, more like Gotox. <laughs> That's the name, Gotox. The Botox drive-thru should be called Tuck and Run. Oh, another great one. <laughs> and then I like this one, too. It's a bow and go. <laughs> bow and go. <laughs> That's fantastic. I like it. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. That's, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Next up, Will Lannon is the uh, producer of Long Gone Summer. It's coming up this Sunday. It's a documentary about the summer of 1998, the home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And Will Lennon joins us to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. Now, it's time for Long Gone Summer on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Tracy Bibb and Allstate Insurance. Text QUOTE to 65780 to see how you can save. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carrico, and all during this week on 101 ESPN, we're going to be previewing Long Gone Summer. It's the 30 for 30 about the 1998 home run chase between Mark McGuire of the Cardinals and Sammy Sosa of the Cubs, and it promises to be one of the best 30 for 30s that we've ever seen. Joining us now is Will Lennon. He's the producer of Long Gone Summer, and he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Will, great to have you with us. Thanks for taking some time. I know you've been very busy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, we spoke to AJ, um, I, I don't know, a week ago maybe, Randy. We spoke to AJ, who I know you're his right-hand man, when talking about all this. And he expressed to us that because of the pandemic and everything that we're dealing with, the timeline has kind of been pushed up for the completion of this film. And he had shared with us what that was like from his perspective. But what was that like for you to know that, okay, hey, our timeline has been moved up, and now it's kind of a mad dash to get this documentary done? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a learning experience for everyone, and I, I feel like everyone uh, adapted the best they could, including ESPN, and everyone's been understanding of how to finish a film during a pandemic. Uh, but it's it's been a mad dash to uh, to the end, and well, I mean, we still haven't delivered to ESPN. We still have uh, about a day or two of work to to do um, before they get the final thing, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been it's been pretty crazy since since we learned that they uh, are moved they moved up our air date. Will, without getting into specifics for us, going back to the last dance, we thought we knew a lot about Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and there were a lot of wow moments. Should we anticipate uh-huh. a lot of wow moments on Sunday night in this documentary? Well, I think this is the first time that uh, both Sammy and, and Mark have sat down for the length of time uh, that we sat down with them. And, and we did two interviews uh, with both of them each. Um, so we got to spend some time with them, and that made them uh, a, little, a bit more comfortable with that. So uh, I hope there's stuff that you haven't learned. And, and I also feel that because we had their their trust, um, our other interviewees, uh, if they're like, oh, yeah, Mark, let us interview him, then like they were more open towards us as well. Well, when we spoke to AJ, he told us he grew up in this area. He grew up a Cardinals fan. He was very, very aware of the Cardinals-Cubs rivalry and of this story. Were you as invested in this story before you started working on this film? Um, I actually also grew up in Missouri, uh, but in southwest Missouri. I grew up in in Branson. uh, And uh, in 1998, I was only six years old, but uh, that was definitely my first memories of baseball and 
2003, I think I went to my first Cardinals game, uh, and it was a Cardinals Cubs game actually. And uh, my family and I were were instantly Cardinals fans and have been ever since. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely been a part of growing up. And will do you think that that was really important to have people like you and AJ who were really invested in this story and who already had some sense of this story from a local perspective to be the ones to execute this film? Because when I read about different things involved in this, even just the little details of having Jeff Tweedy do the music for this, it's it's going to have a, a I think kind of a local feel to it, which is cool. Yeah, I think we wanted to capture. Uh, I mean, although it was a very national and even global story i think it's you know at its core it is a midwest story too that that both of these fan bases are are so close to each other and in the midwest i think it was important for us to to get that feel in the movie uh that it did mean a lot to a lot of people nationally but uh really for for both of these fan bases it it meant a lot more to to them Will Lennon, the producer of Long Gone Summer, will see it Sunday night on ESPN, is with us here on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And, Will, it's interesting with McGuire because we knew before that season started that he was under a tremendous amount of pressure. And during that season and subsequently, we've heard about the pressure that he experienced because we expected him to hit 62 home runs. That was just kind of a given. In your interviews with Sammy, throughout this process, was pressure a part of the pursuit for him? It's a a great question. I'm sure it was, but he definitely did not leave. He didn't perceive that. That was never an issue for him. And at least with our interviews with us, when we talked about with Mark, he was uh, very cognizant of that pressure and, 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 he kind of opened up to us about it with Sammy. It didn't even seem like a thought. And I, so I don't know if there was pressure with him, but uh, he just handled it differently than Mark. And I don't know if any of either of them handled it the wrong way or the right way, but uh, Sammy still looking back at this is that was just a, a great time. And uh, yeah, he, he never felt like he had to perform. Well, speaking of the interviews, I know you were really involved in the interview processes and making this film. What's one interview, whether it was with Mark or Sammy or maybe someone else involved in this story, that after the interview wrapped, you walked away and said, wow, whether it was an unbelievable story they told or an anecdote or new information. But what's one interview that when we're watching this, we should pay extra special attention to? Hmm. That's a good question. I I, I would say we got very lucky with all our interviews. Um, uh, and we were always surprised after each interview. Uh, I'm not sure if there was something that there's one specifically that I remember. I, one of my favorite interviews uh, is was Mike Shannon because uh, it was a very kind of rushed interview. We had to do it before a game, uh, and it was very targeted. But Mike, but he was one of my favorites growing up uh, on the radio. So it was uh, a blast to be able to talk with him. Uh, and and he makes the film in uh, in an interesting way and, and yeah Mike was one of my favorite interviews. Well, in regards to the the rest of what was going on, obviously the the focus here is going to be on Mark and Sammy. But for a long time, Ken Griffey was part of this, and you also have baseball coming back because of the strike of nineteen ninety four. Uh, do you get into depth, uh, or at least maybe peripherally, about the other things that were happening in baseball that made it so special? Yeah, I I think when people see the film, they'll see the context in which this season happened, and, and 
that was from the get-go uh, one of AJ's main ideas. And, and what a lot of people think about the 98 season is that what led up to it. Uh, I, there's a lot of things that led up to that season being so special. So we deal with the strike. Um, and we we definitely we deal with Griffey as well. And, and uh, you know, you could make a 10-part series on all of this time period because the strike is fascinating and Ken Griffey is fascinating and everything that in between 94 and 98 uh, you could really go in depth about. But I think we do a good job uh, in the film of setting that up. And, Will, what about the fallout after the home run chase with the steroid stuff? Because that, to your point, could be an entire 30 for 30 series as well. And I know when we saw the trailer for this, you have the line from Bob Costa saying this this excitement came as at a price. I'm paraphrasing. But you kind of have to tell the story of the fallout to really tell the story of what happened but you also I, I know that it's it's only one film and it's not a michael jordan 10-part series so when you were having discussions on how you were going to attack this project how much emphasis did you want to keep on the actual home run race and how much emphasis did you want to have and what happened following the home run home run race yeah so from the from the get-go aj really wanted to make a film that was centered in that time that you felt that you were there in 1998, how it felt then. And you want to keep it that way that we don't want to look at 98. I mean, you have to address the steroid issue no matter what. And, and when you do look at 98, uh, you're going to think about steroids, but with the film, I, we wanted to live in that season rather than uh, like to have these preconceived thoughts about that season. Um, so, but that being said, we do address it and we want to address it in a way, uh, that shows different sides of the issues. And you're right. The, it's, that could be a 10 part series, but that is a fascinating, uh, thing that should be explored. You know, it'd be great to be explored in a documentary someday, but we did our best job of trying to live in that 98 season. And then knowing what we know now, how do we look back on that and how do we view that season? And finally, Will, along those lines, you've put so much into this. You've interviewed so many people. Here you are a day or two from delivering it to ESPN. I would imagine that there has to be a lot of material that wound up on the cutting room floor. Was there stuff that, when, you, especially as you get down to crunch time here, where you say, I don't want to take this out, but you had to because you have time constraints? Yeah, I, I think that there there was a lot, you know, Everyone's interviews were were very good. There, there was a lot that we that we had to cut out, unfortunately. Uh, and if we had a ten part series, of, you know, we could have included that. Um, we, I, one of my favorite interviews was with Todd McFarlane, who uh, purchased most of the home run balls from of McGuire's that season and some of Sammy's. Uh, and and he had a lot of great stories that we wish we included, um, but. Yeah, I, I think that the, most everyone uh, had some really interesting anecdotes, and it's hard to include all these anecdotes in, in a film like this. Well, we can't wait for Sunday. We're looking forward to it. Congratulations on your great work, Will, and we appreciate, appreciate you getting up in L.A. this morning to join us. <laughs> of course. Thanks so much. Take care. Have a great day. Yeah, you that is Will Lennon. He is the producer of Long Gone Summer. You will see it on Sunday night on ESPN. And we'll be previewing Long Gone Summer all week here on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Tracy Bibb and Allstate Insurance. I can't wait. It's going to be great. We've been talking about this forever. We have. And it's going to... It, it,
is deservedly going to be something that will be watched heavily in St. Louis. But it is going to make the absence of baseball feel oh so great. It will. Danny Mac and our crossover to Scoops with Danny Mac next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. again to Will Lennon, and it is Long Gone Summer Week on 101 ESPN. Long Gone Summer, the story of the 1998 home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa is set to air as part of uh, the 30 for 30 series on Sunday night on ESPN, and in anticipation of the premiere, 101 ESPN is looking back at that memorable year, including on-air interviews all week long with many different coaches and athletes involved with the 98 MLB season. Check out the schedule of upcoming guests and clips of interviews so far at 101 ESPN.com and by the way Long Gone Summer Week on 101 ESPN is brought to you by Tracy Bibb at Allstate Insurance text the word quote to 65780 to see how you can save hi Dan Morning, guys. Good to be with you again. Morning, Dan. Now we're in person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we have mentioned this. The, for the first time in 102 years, the Muni canceled their season. Oh, this saw that. No, no Muni Sad. this year. Love the Muni. I know you love it. We were uh, talking about that a couple weeks ago. When the Rams left, we became Muni season ticket holders. That's cool. Yeah. What's your favorite show you ever saw at the Muni? Spam a lot. Oh, nice. Very yeah, funny. I like the funny ones. Yeah, it's yeah. good. So, Spam a lot's but awesome. They're, they're to to bring in the quality of talent that the Muni does during the summer. It really it's Broadway quality shows every mm-hmm. single week. It's pretty incredible. It's really hot too. <laughs> I just want to say that. I mean, it's a fact. Now, it's Danny, hot. You've been doing baseball for a while. When's the last time you were at the Muni? Long time. See, because now they've got big, giant, quiet fans on top. Yeah. And now the, the the new setup, they have blowers that blow from the stage. So it's we have not had, I think we've been season ticket holders for six years, have not had one single uncomfortable night there. I was just down in Forest Park uh, last week. My kids played in a golf tournament, and I, it just makes you realize how cool Forest Park is. Because awesome. I don't get the chance oh. in the summer really to go there all that much. I pass it every day going down to the ballpark, but just actually spending time in Forest Park... Pretty cool. Oh, Great. one of the crown jewels of the city. Absolutely. Randy, I think maybe we should get some of those fans implemented in the stands at Bush Stadium, too. Because it can get pretty toasty out there. Great idea. How about the booth? Yeah. I'll take the booth, first yeah. of all. Everybody says, oh, you, you know, you guys are comfortable because it's air. No! It's hotter than hell in that thing, man. Is there an air condition in there? So it, the back it's, is. The back is, but then when you walk, it's really, it is interesting. You walk down like four steps to where we sit to do the game, and there's a difference literally of like 20 degrees. Oh, wow. Hotter. We had a couple of years ago, one of my partners, I'm not going to say who it was, but he had to go sit back down on the sofa because he was starting to faint. Wow. I mean, it would get hot. The old ballpark would really get hot. Yeah. I mean, that was miserable. Bush Stadium, too, in that booth. I mean, there were shots of Jack and Mike putting their feet in ice buckets ice water, and, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But it gets hot, especially if you're wearing a suit on those summer days. But I ain't going to complain. I was going to say, you, you'd sit in a sauna right now if you could call wear, games, right? I'd wear a parka down there if I had to. I don't care. It'd be fun to do. Just get anything going. Isn't it troubling that we just are, well, we know that they're at a complete impasse and there's no communication right now. Here we are, two days away from when spring training was supposed yeah. to start. And there's no communication about getting spring training started. Well, I think that July 4th, that date is really tenuous now. Um, 
it, because it, you just start doing the math and you think about this. They do not want to play past October. That is like a steadfast. That's the end of the World rule. Series ends before yes, November 1st. That's it. And to me, there's two reasons you do that. Number one, most importantly, if there's a second wave of the coronavirus. But number two, and no one really talks about this. The television aspect of this, you're going head-to-head then with college football, Mm -hmm. the NFL, uh, NBA still going on maybe, NHL, depending on how they start their season, if it has to get pushed back. So um, where do you fit it in? And they got to get their money. So they want that postseason money. That's key. Time is of the essence. You know, if you you have a 50-game season, then you, you got more time. If you're going to negotiate this thing between 82 and 50 and you get to 65 or 70 games, you, you got to get it going this week. This is a very, very important week. I say that every week for baseball, but this is really an important week to get more games in. But we try to keep it positive over here. Good. So I want to get a confidence check from you. Okay. Because I know you've been consistently saying you think that this is going to get done, that they're going to play. We'll have baseball. I, I firmly believe that. Now, it may not be the baseball that you want. may not be the 82 games. It may be the 50 games that the owners slam down the union's throat and say, you have to do this. They have to do that. Labor mm-hmm. law, it's, it, it's part of their agreement. They are going to have to do that. Now, like we talked about earlier, it wouldn't surprise me at all if one of the players that's a free agent to be and has had plenty of um, success and money, they, they go out there and play that first day and they say, ah, oh, man. My knee's starting to hurt a little bit here. Oh, man, the elbow, the neck, and all of a sudden, it's going to be 50 days, guys. I think I'm going to be out. Mm -hmm. And they're out. And then they hit the market. I mean, George Springer's a great case because you could say he has lost millions of dollars because of what's going on with the Astros. Like, they held him back because of service time initially. They were no good. He was a good player, should have been in the major leagues. They held him back like they did with Chris Bryant in Chicago and other players. And all of a sudden, now he's going to be a free agent and he's getting hit again. I'm sure he's not real happy with what's going on. So you may have some of those players do that. I think the younger players will play because they need to play. They got to get a bite at the apple. And oh, by the way, they got to stay sharp. Losing a year of professional sports Mm -hmm. is, it's not like all of a sudden you say, well, We're out, and we're just going to come back next year. There's going to be casualties on the field with that, with guys that see their their, uh, skills erode. I really believe that. And this is a big year for a five-year player because it is amazing how that three- to six-year player, there are many players that have played four, five, or six years, unless they're great, because the middle class in baseball, that group of players that, is making money. They're not making big free agent money, but if you're just a bench player that is arbitration eligible, there's as good a chance as not that you are going to be non-tendered and you're not going to be playing anymore because they can get somebody to do that for 500000 rather than for $2.5 So here we are in early June talking about this, guys. What does it look like in whether there's a season or not and free agency opens up going into next season? I mean, do you think anybody's going to get signed? No. Uh, does anybody get a long-term deal? Does anybody get over $300 million? I mean, Mookie Betts is a $300 million player mm-hmm. in today's day and age in a normal season. I don't think he gets that. Now, he may get 200 but those $300 million contracts, those could be by the wayside for a while. And I know that Scott Boris is going to bunker down, and he's going to have his number. Betts isn't a Boris guy, is he? I don't, I don't think, believe I don't so. I think he is. But he did just get Blake Snell, though. Right. Whatever players he has in free agency, he's going to c- 
command, demand the kind of money that he got last year for Garrett Cole. That money is just not going to be there anymore, and especially now because it's probably going to be personal for most owners with Scott Boris. And it's going to be personal with players, too. You know, players may say uh, going into spring training next year, our leverage is to not play. Now, you're talking about 18 months of not getting a check and going dark in the sport. Uh, that's when it's going to be tough on some members of the union to say, I, I got to go play. Yeah. Like, I need to go play. Um, and owners, they've got the wealth. I mean, they've got, they can fall back and say, well, if you don't want to play, don't play. That's fine. You know, they've got billions of dollars, some of these guys. And it's a hit, but it's not the hit that the players are going to take. Well, and if you're Paul Goldschmidt and you're mm. in the second year of, you're 32, 33 years old, second year of a $130 million contract, and you're already going to take a hit this year. Next year you play, do you really want to lose essentially two years of that five-year deal that's, or more? What, about 60 to $70 million? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here. It's It's going to be very, very tough to do that. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. Colin's got breaking news for us. Are we playing? Freeze Pops has some breaking oh. news. Carl Ravitch has just tweeted out, MLB has made a proposal to the players, 75% prorated salary, 76-game season. Playoff pool money, no draft pick compensation for signing players. Season finishes September 27th, and the postseason ends at the end of October. It's a significant move towards players' demands and efforts to play more. I'm game. That's I'm in. That's I'm what in. You, uh, the way I've, I've looked at it is that you have the 50 games, fully prorated salaries, and then you had to look at the 50 to the 82 Come in the middle. We're going to give a little bit. The owners will. They're asking the players to do another cut for those essentially what it would be, 25 games, 26 games, and all of a sudden you have a season. Um, I mean, I, I, that's why I, I'm, I keep saying it. we're going to have a season. It just may not be the season that we all want. Poor Buster only, though. He's going to lose his farm. Yeah, he really bet the family farm on that one. He, he owns a dairy farm. Yeah. Yeah, he said he would bet that farm that we wouldn't play in 2020. Did he really? Yeah. yeah. I just I never got to that point, and and the reason I, I say that was the aforementioned reasons that the the owners could shove it down their throat. But the other thing was, now it truly is gun at your head time. Totally. You know, mm-hmm. like this is it. I mean, you, we got to do this because if you're not going to set a hard deadline. So we have a hard trade deadline, right, in baseball. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fascinating leading up to that where deals are on the table. And I've seen it. I've talked to these guys. I've talked to players about it. I've talked to Mo about it. The deal is there. And when you hit 3 o'clock Eastern, it's either done or it's not. And then it's over. It moves on. So if they're not going to set a hard deadline, the hard deadline to me is now October 31st. You know, you can't, mm-hmm. that's the right. deadline. So then just start doing the math and backtracking. And a 76-game season would be July 15th about to start, probably spring training in the last week of June. Yes, and it still would have to be agreed upon and ratified. That's yeah. going to take a little time. Right. So I don't know if you guys heard the interview I did with Ricky and Keel, and I'm going to talk about it on the show, but he said guys down in Florida are playing sim games. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, they're ahead of the game. Yeah, they're, they're they're getting there. I mean, it's yeah. you know, there's going to be some of these players that are way ahead of others before yeah. they get there. But the players may just say, "We only have two and a half, three weeks of spring training, so figure it out." Well, and Mike Maddox told us that Flaherty told him, "I can go for today." Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you want to do yeah, that. No. But, you know, no. I, I I appreciate it. Right. I certainly do. Yeah. By the way, on the show coming up, I know we got to run, but uh, Mike Kelly, voice of the Missouri Tigers, Mike Kelly, and. Um, Hey, things are getting going with Mizzou. They're getting uh, their players on campus. They're, and they're doing, in. 
and doing the the, the start workouts today. And so we're going to go more into his career. I know you love Mike. He's Mike's one of my favorites. One of our best friends. We we worked together for years. So um, fun to visit with Mike Kelly, and that's coming up. Uh, hopefully, if he calls in at ten fifteen or so. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, guys. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up. Thanks to our producer today, Tommy Freeze, Pops Carroll. Good job, sir. Thank you, guys. We'll talk tomorrow. Yep. Colin uh, Surrey running the board and contributing to the show, doing great work. He'll be with Danny Mac on, uh, of course, during the next hour. Michelle, as always, a fun Monday. It was fun, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow. We're uh, we're kind of bitter, but we still have fun with our bitterness. You can't be bitter. Just be we're going to roll with the punches. We're going to stay positive. See. We're not going to get mad. We're just going to have to deal with it, and we're going to all get through this. I really believe that. It's nice that we can, you know, express skepticism and anger, and then Dan comes in and he brightens our day. It's yeah. a wonderful thing. That's uh, I don't hear that very often at home, so it's <laughs> nice to get that here. They think I'm negative at home, and they tell me to go walk. By the way, I said that I would, yesterday at the family barbecue, we had to listen to Steely Dan, and normally we'd be listening to Danny Mac narrating our Cardinals baseball games, and then I prefer Danny Mac over Steely Dan any day. Ricky, don't lose a number. <laughs> Did you for play that us? last night? Yeah, yes, you heard it, right? Heard That's it. Steely Dan. I mean, <laughs> for I'm old, man. I'm Reeling old. in the years is really <laughs> my Steely Dan <laughs> choice. Thanks. I'd rather be saying this is, hey, Lois Cardinal, whatever. Me too, you know. me Sorry. too. Yep, no problem. Thanks oh, for that hurt. tuning in, texting <laughs> in, and being a part of the show for Michelle and I and the whole gang until tomorrow at 7 a.m. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.